Hello and welcome to the Health Science Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Box. I'm joined alongside my co-host, Zach Hunter. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you, Devin? I'm doing great. That's good. Uh, Zach's got his own podcast too. It's called The Fiscal Frisk. Uh, episodes air Tuesdays and Thursdays on all the streaming platforms. Check that out if you want to learn more about fiscal and monetary policy. A mm-hmm. uh, quick shout out to Chase Drew for that introduction music. Uh, Chase is a good friend of ours and a London musician. Um, and... Uh, Listens always help. That's exactly what musicians need. So go listen to his stuff on Spotify, Apple Music, whatever you use. Um, he'll be on it. He's on the ball. Uh, good music, too. Um, so if you're new to the channel, uh, what we do here is we take a research paper in the field of health sciences and we break it down. Um, we're going to give you some insight from my perspective, being a master's student, and tell you about why research is done certain ways um, and what that means to you. And um, how to interpret some of the results. There's a lot of research out there that has to do with your health, and um, it can be a little confusing sometimes. So uh, we're here to help. Uh, the reason Zach's here is his background is not in health sciences, uh, so he's going to act as you guys. He's um, going to ask questions if he doesn't understand anything, mm-hmm. and if he doesn't understand anything, it's probably because I'm not explaining it well enough. So um, he's here to kind of vouch for you guys. Uh, so today's episode, uh, we got a good one. Um, if you listen to episode two, uh, that was a paper that had to do with cardiovascular fitness and mortality risk um, amongst different men in different weight classes. This is a bit of a, um, a bridge off of that. So this is called Healthy Lifestyle Habits and Mortality in Overweight and Obese Individuals. So we're taking a little bit of a different turn here, um, whereas before we were looking at cardiovascular health, uh, sorry, cardiovascular fitness um, as an objective measure. This is going to be looking at specifically just the um, and the lifestyle habits that these people engage in, and then they're also separated by uh, their their weight class too, um, using BMI. So right off the bat, the paper says, the purpose of this study was to determine the association between healthy lifestyle habits and mortality in large population-based stratified by body mass index. Really simple. That's the purpose of the paper. Uh, body mass index, again, is a really simple measure of getting... Um, kind of a ratio between somebody's height and their weight doesn't work for everybody, uh, but we'll see that uh, the sample that we're using in this study as well, uh, BMI is going to be a pretty good measure of um, essentially how much yeah, how much uh, body fat or, or weight you have on your body compared to the height. Um, and then stratification uh, is another term that they used here. Stratification just means separated. So we're going to take people's BMI, we're going to separate them into um, normal weight, overweight, and obese, uh, based on a number. So it's really important to, if I said, oh, you got a really high BMI, um, most people could say, oh, that probably means you're obese or you're, you're overweight, right? Um, but what's the actual number? Uh, most people might not be able to actually quote what that number is. So um, they're going to define it here. So anything um, less than 25, um, and then again, not they, they've actually specified um, above 18 and a half um, Anything under that would actually be considered underweight um, by certain categories too. So normal weight uh, between 18 and a half and 25, um, and then 25 to 29, I believe, is overweight, and then uh, 30 and above, that's going to be obese, right? Uh, so they're going to define healthy lifestyle behaviors. This is this is our um, this is our predictor of interest, right? So we're going to measure these things, and then we're going to look at their outcome on, on our mortality risk, which is the risk of dying of, of certain diseases, right? Uh, so they're going to say exercising, that's one of them. Uh, that's something that everybody could get. Uh, eating a diet high in fruits and vegetables. Uh, we've all been told this stuff. 
um, avoiding smoking and consuming alcohol in moderation, right? So they're going to basically have a questionnaire where they ask these people, hey, like how often do you do this? And they're going to categorize um, by saying, you know, these people do this, am- this amount of healthy uh, eating, uh, these people don't smoke, um, yada, yada, and they're going to get that uh, for each of the categories based on their BMI. And and these 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 uh, these data would be simply just from asking them. So a lot of these data points would be just questionnaires. So they'd send out a questionnaire and say, fill this out, uh, what do you got? So then they, they go on to justify. They say, well, why are we doing this, right? Um they say less is known about the relative benefit of healthy habits among obese and overweight individuals as compared to normal people. So they've done studies on normal weight people uh, by the BMI definition, and they know the benefits of, of all these good lifestyle habits, but they haven't done that in obese people near as much. Um, I think part of the assumption is that, well, if you're obese, you probably don't exercise and you probably don't eat well, but contrary to that uh, understanding, um, and this study will show that there's, there's a lot of people that are defined as obese, but do have good habits. And then what's the mortality risk for those group of people, right? And then they say, by even the most conservative estimates, obesity is responsible for more than 80,000 deaths annually. So we have a, a big a big issue yeah. with people dying. And it's, a, it's an area that isn't really well understood. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as a doctor... Can you look at somebody with a really high BMI and say, well, just eat, eat healthy fruit? It's like, well, we don't know if that's actually going to do them any good. Yeah, exactly. Right? There might be other things that you got to do. Um, so we're going to find out about those kind of things here. Um, and then they say even like one in five Americans who attempt to lose weight um, can't actually successfully uh, keep that weight off. So even if we say, hey, let's all just exercise and lose the weight. So now um, we're not obese. It's really hard for a lot of people, right? One in five is 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 the people that can actually keep the weight off the rest they can. Yeah. Um, and then there's a lot of stuff too, like medical costs. We've got $147 billion um, estimated uh, with uh, obesity related deaths and care and stuff. So $147 billion. It's a lot of money. That's a lot of money on the healthcare. So is that specifically to a country or is that global? Um, uh direct annual medical costs um i'm not sure about that i'm assuming they're probably just talking about the united states yeah I, i'm assuming so too thing. but that's still a crazy number let's see what the uh the name of the reference is it might tell you um, um medical yeah I, I believe that would be just the united states okay does not not super clear but that's a good question yeah. um so let's just assume it's a really big number. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot, right? It's very prevalent. Yeah. Hard for people to keep it off. We don't know it very well. So the, the paper's done a good job of kind of setting up, hey, why the heck are we actually even looking into this? You know, why is it important? Um, and then we've also defined BMI and how we're going to say, how we're going to actually define uh, what overweight, what obese is um, in scientific terms, right? Um, and then they're going to take some demographic variables too. So demographics meaning um, things here, they say uh, age, sex, race, education, and marital status. Um, these are a lot of things that they're going to put into their analysis to make sure that they account for. So uh, if if they did the study only on a certain race of people or only on a certain uh, marital status group of people, uh, those those results would actually look a lot different. So mm-hmm. they're, they're including all types of people in the study and then they're equalizing them so that the results that we get um, can isolate the effect of the healthy habits um, without looking at the effect of some of these other demographics that might might um, might influence uh, the the outcome, right? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and in our case, the one we're going to look at again, healthy lifestyle choices and mortality is our outcome, right? And then they say this statistical analysis, they're going to describe here what they're actually doing. So they're going to take these numbers and what are they going to do with them? They do a, it's called a Cox proportional hazard ratio. It's calculated for the entire sample. And they're going to be comparing um, individuals who adhere to zero, one, two, three, or four of these healthy habits. Okay. Um, so four being the greatest, it's like those people who do all the healthy habits. Um, and then a proportional hazard ratio is always talking about a, a base level. So they're saying that a survival analysis stratified by BMI was performed using the normal weight individuals who adhered to all four healthy habits. So we're going to take the health, most healthiest people. Those are going to be our baseline. Yeah. And then anybody who doesn't adhere to those healthy habits, you would assume that their risk would go up, which is what happens here. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the numbers would look bigger and that's, essentially the risk associated with not performing that number of healthy habits. Okay. Um, and they say some technical stuff too, but we'll kind of skip over that. Um, they've got, how many people did they have in the study? I said the participants, a total of 11,761 individuals. So that's a big sample size. And it was uh, between 1988 and uh, 1994. Um, so a pretty, a pretty good amount, yeah. pretty good sample size there. So, uh, and this one includes uh, both men and women. Okay. And they said the age is 21 and older. So we have men and women, adults. Um, and let's see if they actually have this. Uh, yeah, so 56.4%, uh, or sorry, total, we got a 51.4% female, 48.6% uh, male. Okay. So we got a pretty even split, which yeah. is good because we talked uh, in the paper before, it was only performed on men. Yeah. So if you were a, a, a woman reading that paper, you'd be like, okay, you, you got to take the, the results with some salt, right? And you say, well, you know, in that case, it was cardiovascular fitness. You could probably make the assumption that, you know, if you're fit, you're going to have less risk of mortality. But um, in this case, uh, we've got both people in it. So a little bit more inclusive. Uh, it was performed over a long time. So we got some, we got some pretty good data here yep. that we can look at. Um, and then they take uh, everyone and they group them in. So this is not stratified by a BMI. They just take everyone. And they say, well, what's the effect of just healthy habits in general? Um, so you want analysis with everybody, including if you're obese or whatnot, uh, if you're normal weight, all included, men, women, everybody. And they show that the risk, again, the, the four healthy habits, if you do all of those, you're the, the baseline. So their value is a one. Um, and then they're going to look at it and say, okay, we're seeing a trend here if you have all four habits, your hazard ratio is a one. Um, if you go to three habits, it's 1.29, 1.74, all the way to zero habits, 3.27, right? So that's just saying that we're seeing a trend globally between all the people in the study, regardless of what your weight is, that yeah. the less healthy habits you do, the worse off you're gonna be. Yeah. But then they're gonna follow that up by saying, okay, now we'll break it into the BMI categories and see if that effect is true within those stratifications, right? Yeah. Which again, that makes sense. The less healthy that you are in general, the more likely that like the higher risk that you have. Yep. Which is, which is, which is what we kind of expected intuitively, but you have to confirm that. And that's what they're doing here. Right. Yep. Nope. For sure. Um, because I think, you know, there's also that assumption that if you're obese, uh, you're not going to maybe get those health benefits, right? Like it's just, Hey, you're obese, you're obese and you're not going to, you're not going to benefit from eating fruit or you're not going to benefit from exercising if you don't actually lose a weight. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's technically not true. And you'll, you'll see it here. Okay. Um, 
And then there's another thing I wanted to make clear about the measure that we're using here, because last last time we used a relative risk. Um, now this this study is, is reporting a hazard ratio, and again, it's it's a relative measure from a baseline. Um, the major difference here is that the outcomes, uh, the hazard ratio tells you the difference in risk at any point in time during the follow-up, whereas relative risk gives you the cumulative, so the total risk across the entire follow-up. So in studies like this, where they have um, longer terms, you might have somebody that was in the study for a long time. Mm-hmm. So if I if I said to you, um, if you sat a chair and it's a it's an electric chair that's charged, and I said, you, this chair has you know a three percent chance of zapping you, yeah, and you sat in it for like two minutes, the chance of you getting zapped is a lot less than somebody who sat in it for like a couple hours, a couple days, yeah. So even even if we take it, we have to take into account in this case the time of follow up. Um, so the hazard ratio is is without getting too detailed is just saying um, it, when follow up times are not the same for everyone. Okay. And it tells you the instantaneous hazard or instantaneous risk, whereas the relative risk that we looked at last time was was in the in the ten year whatever it was time span that they did the study. This is the total risk. So it just takes everyone at once. This this is actually. Uh, it's just adjusted for the amount of time that people would be in the analysis, right? Okay. Which, which to us is, it's it, it's valuable and it's it's important. Um, but for for here, the, the we're looking more at the trends and yeah. the, the trends between um, somebody who's obese versus somebody who's normal weight. We're going to see, regardless of what the numbers are, we're going to see that the numbers are fairly similar here, right? Right. Um, so. Again, the numbers. So we've got the hazard ratios reference group is normal weight uh, with four healthy habits. Um, and then we've got, so if we look at the four healthy habits, actually, let's look at the zero healthy habits. So zero healthy habits for, for normal weight people, um, their hazard ratio is a 2.18. So they're already have a higher, higher risk of mortality um, than somebody in the same weight class who just performs healthy habits. So again, this is, um, refraining from a lot of alcohol drinking, um, quitting smoking or not smoking at all, uh, eating fruits and vegetables and exercising a, a moderate amount, right? Yeah. And then we go to the uh, zero healthy habits in the overweight people. It's a 3.72. So it goes from a 2.18 to a 3.72 based on just the change in, in, in weight class. Yeah. And then for obese people, it goes to a 6.69. So you go from a 2.18 to a 6.69. It's it's pretty big jump. Yeah, it's a very big jump. But like we saw last time with the with the obese individuals that still had good cardiovascular fitness, all of a sudden those differences started to disappear, right? Yeah. And now they're not not actually that much at risk. So yeah. reference group is the normal weight people for healthy habits. They're a one. The four healthy habits in the overweight one point oh eight, and then the obese people one point oh five. Wow. So, and again, that that would be uh, you would assume um, a certain amount of measurement error. But this is this is where something I would com- uh, comment on too is whenever we're talking about um, a certain group of data, you're going to get variation. So, not you know, if, if I'm obese and you're obese and we go in for our measures, we're not going to get the same amount of risk for for everything. Yeah. Right? You can't paint everyone with a broad brush. So, yeah. there is a a normal curve, and we have this in a 95% confidence interval. It's called. So, basically, it's the we're 95% sure that our estimate lies between an interval. So when I say to you, uh, let's say, let's do the, the BMI, the, the obese individual with four healthy habits, it's a 1.05. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So just based on that's called the point estimate. If the point estimate is one point oh five. That's our best guess. Yeah. Uh, based on the population that we have, or based on the sample that we have, yeah. to say that's the risk of the population. But that actually the range goes from point six six to one point six seven. So you have people in that we say, well, the estimate of their risk could actually be 0.66, which means being obese and having those habits is actually healthier than being normal weight and having those habits. Yeah. Um, like it so, can be, yeah. So even then, you have to take this with uh, with some, some caution too because, you know, oftentimes when we have a point estimate that says, hey, this, this treatment's better or this is better, if the confidence interval goes below or past the, say the the uh, the other group it, it, in this case it's saying 0.66 you actually be 40 percent less hazard or up to 1.67 you could have up almost 70 percent more so yeah. there's a, quite a wide range of what people might experience if they're obese so this isn't the same for everyone yeah no for sure um that, and, that and is important to note though is you know because a lot of people when they see these studies like oh i just follow fall into this category right so that that's not necessarily the case because you could be healthy. And like you said, if you're obese, that's why sometimes BMI might not be the best indicator because your BMI might say that you're obese. But if you have those healthy uh, attributes about yourself, like those four key indicators, uh, you're actually healthier off than someone that's in the normal category that also in some cases, but in other cases you're a little bit more at risk. Um, But again, if the numbers, if you look at the confidence intervals here too, I think it's more, um, about, uh, let's say, let's go to, uh, zero healthy habits for someone who's obese is a 6.69. It ranges anywhere from a 3.67 to a 12.2. Yeah. Right. But when you go down to, um, healthy or zero healthy habits for someone who's normal weight, it's a 1.25 to 3.81. So way less of a range. Yeah. Like even at the top end of that range, it's just starting to cross over with the low end of the obese range. Um, whereas if you look at the, uh, four healthy habits, um, they're not nearly as big, they're still pretty wide actually, um, by definition. Um, but the, the trend again is important to look at here too, but, but also take into account that the, this data is not perfect and having confidence intervals that are that wide do say, well, the, the actual number could be anywhere in the, in that estimate, right? Um, it's, it's most likely that it's, it's a 1.05, but that's, that's just our limitations of, of numbers. Like you can't just say, you know, I'm going to study 10 people and now all of a sudden I know how this thing's going to work for everyone on earth. Right. So we, we have these confidence intervals because we, we're, we're 95% confidence and that's kind of the, the, the standard in, in research that you'll see. Right. So then again, they go on to talk about some limitations. So they say um, the cross-sectional nature, meaning that they only took certain measures at a certain point in time. Um, so they, they looked at, uh, in this case, the the people's habits, they just asked them that once. And they said, well, there is the chance that people could just change their habits and they could get really healthy. And now all of a sudden, you know, people that had bad habits would have good habits and that might affect the data. Um, mm-hmm. But they did counter this and say there were some other studies that say that most lifestyle habits in adulthood um, are pretty stable, um, which in this case is kind of, I'm not going to say a bad thing, but it's like, you know, if you have a lot of high lifestyle habits and, and people drink a lot and they're smoking and they're not exercising and not eating good food, right? And most of those people don't actually change that. 
right? Yeah. He's like, that's that's kind of an interesting thing to look. It might be a, a paper that we could look into t- as well. Yeah. Um, and this is a point, too, that it's kind of interesting that they brought it up. Uh, but this is kind of the link from this to the last paper. As he said, although healthy habits were associated with decreased mortality, association does not prove causation. And this is something that's ridiculously important in research is yep. is establishing the cause of something is different than establishing an association between things. Mm-hmm. And like the most cliche example that they give is, is uh, rain is associated with umbrellas, right? When you see rain, it's like there's going to be people walking around with umbrellas. Yep. But it would also be, well, what, what caused what? Well, in that case, you just look at it and say, well, the rain causes the umbrellas. Yeah. But from a, if I just said they're associated, well, that doesn't, disprove it's like well umbrellas could have caused rain true so it makes sense in 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 sorry it doesn't make sense in that case because well duh obviously people don't start carrying around umbrellas then the weather's like oh i'm gonna start raining you know but in this case um we we don't know that so it's like um for the example with the, the last paper we did in episode two um we said that people with high cardiovascular fitness had less uh risk of of mortality well what if what if all the people that had high cardiovascular fitness i'm assuming the exercise mm-hmm. what if those people also in, engage in less drinking and they also engage in healthier eating habits and they also don't smoke it's like well we would say in that case having good exercise cardiovascular fitness is associated with weight loss but it might actually be the cause it might be a compound of of a lot of things yeah something that we we've listed here Right, like if 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 I'm assuming if somebody's obese, I'm not assuming, but it's probably a, a better guess if someone's obese, but they they exercise regularly and they have good, they have all these good habits. Yeah, they might very well have a good cardiovascular fitness, and that the habits might have been the reason why somebody with a good cardiovascular fitness is less at risk. Mm-hmm. So when someone says, "Hey, if you got good cardiovascular fitness, you're going to be you know less likely to die," but this is all observational data. Yeah, this is just saying, "Hey, the people who die less happen to." exercise more right but but that doesn't actually mean that it's the exercise that caused that could be a multitude of things that are associated with people who just exercise um so that's something important to note here too is is um exercise and 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 health in general um it's 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 most oftentimes it'd be nice and easy if we could just say hey this is what causes that and and then we just fix that one issue. Yeah. But a lot of times, and we're seeing here that the even the number of healthy habits that somebody engages in um, does show trends toward decreasing the risk of dying. Mm-hmm. So it's not just one thing. You can't just start eating well, and all of a sudden you're good. Yeah. But you might see another paper that says, well, eating well and eating fruit and vegetables is associated with less mortality risk. But it's like, yeah, the people who eat well, they probably exercise. Yeah. They probably do all these other healthy habits, right? It's, that's that's a, a very real cause. And, and, and the way we get around this in science is a randomized controlled trial. And you'll, you'll see this everywhere. Um, it's the most controlled isolation um, of the actual cause. Mm-hmm. And now the thing is, is we couldn't actually prove 100% causation, but we can get pretty darn close. And when we do these randomized controlled trials, we balance out all of those demographics between both groups and then we do one thing to them. So in real in 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 the grand scheme of things, the only thing that should be different 
between them is is the treatment that you're giving them or the exercise you're prescribing them, whatever yeah. it is. And the rest of their lives are should be as close to as identical as they could be. Yeah. Because it's like, hey, what if the people, you know, we prescribe them exercise. Well, what if the people that weren't prescribed exercise start exercising on the side or they start doing something else? Yeah. There's tons of these things in research and there's ways to control all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And this is why I kind of bring up the the limitations of these observational studies is because we're just looking at associations. Yeah. And I and I think that's really important to talk about like the causals and the just association because I know even like with my personal background with like politics and um, finance is like with finances, it's pretty easy to uh, make causal statements, but a lot of it is association statements. So just kind of defining like the difference between them. I just wanted to ask a question that I should have asked earlier is if there was a reason why they use 95% confidence intervals, is it just to reduce the spread or I didn't know if, like, if that's like a common thing throughout science is 95 because I know yeah. for most maths, like math uh, researches that I saw, they usually use a 99. Yeah, no, um, health research 95 is, is like the, that's just the industry standard. And okay. it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of, um, you know, it has to do with say, how sure do you want to be of your, of your results? And, mm-hmm. and you'll, you'll see P values. It's kind of the, someone will run what's called a T test. Yeah. And a t-test is going to give you the chance that you could see um, a different result under the assumption that both groups are the same. And it sounds confusing, but um, they put a significance level at 0.05, which is essentially, it, it's you can put it at 0.01, which means yep. that you actually are aiming to be more sure of your results. Um and that, you know, it's probably a topic that I'll save for another paper because stats is like terrifying, even for me. <laughs> and, um, yeah, no, for sure it is. I just wanted to ask about the confidence interval. Yeah. It's that, yeah. 95 is just, uh, that's an industry standard, okay. or, um, I guess not an industry, but a field standard, yeah. um, in health research. And again, that just tells you that we're 95% sure that the, um, the true value that we're, we're aiming to measure is within that interval. Yeah, exactly. And it, it still could be, could be 5% chance that it's still outside of that. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's, it's somewhere, somewhere near there because they can take a group of people and, and measure them and, and they all fall within this category 95% of the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it for that paper. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. It's uh it's a little bit of a look at, um, you know, when you, if, if you listen to episode two, why it's important to not just look at one piece of research and then say, Hey, this is, this is people exercise. You'll, you'll stop dying. It's like, well, you know what? It might have to do with exercise and diet and all this kind of stuff. Um, and, and you, you should look at multiple different, um, sources of information before you make, you know, really big decisions about your lifestyle, right? These are, yeah. these are important things. And, and this is why, um, something like this podcast, you know, why we think it's important to do this is because you could just see one of those pieces of information and then think, Hey, maybe it's causal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's not, or, my, or it might not be. Yeah. Um, so in future episodes, um, we got some more guests coming up. Uh, thanks for tuning in and, uh, we'll see you next time.